0: This is Lifting the Lid. Conversations with fascinating people, living life on their terms. Our next guest requires no introduction.
1: All right, it's a special edition of Lifting the Lid. We're in Marblehead, Massachusetts.
0: Massachusetts, United you know, States of America, baby.
1: That voice you can hear is Mark Phillip. Hello, everyone. Someone I haven't seen for
0: 20 years. 20 years. Almost exactly 20 years. And which, well, you tell the story. Where do we meet? We met at the New York Film Academy, 1999. God, 1999, 20 years ago. We were a couple young lads just looking to make a name for ourselves in the big city. Couple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how did we meet up? And I mean, we were in the same class, and then I think we just both kind of gravitated towards each other because we realized that everyone else was not very good, <laughs> and we were probably the best students in the class. Of course. Right, I think that's what happened.
1: But I think we had very similar sensibilities. I think, and I think we just clicked initially. So for those that don't know New York Film Academy, we were there. Twenty one, I was. Yeah, um, traveling overseas for the first time.
0: I was sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so we did a four week film course in New York. Yep, over winter. Yep, and yeah i think it was great because lots of people would travel so there were some people from new york or queens or nearby it was an, inter-
0: it was an international yeah so base. people would yeah. travel from everywhere so yeah. i think
1: what made it really special at the time just because everyone was in the same boat so yeah. not only were you doing filmmaking then you're doing stuff outside of it right. and it did even though
0: i was traveling on my own you were yep. there on your own but it didn't yep. feel like
1: that we were there on
0: our own and it was fil- and it was actual filmmaking like yes. literally film we shot 16 millimeter we cut it by hand. On, on Steenbeck. On Steenbeck's. We did, we had like a week to shoot a film, and then we would screen it. And it was great. Black and white film, and 16 white. mil. Yeah. Yeah, we'd ship off our 100 Was hundred feet. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah 100 yeah. feet. Yeah. Ship it off, get it back, process it, critical ends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Still
1: remember hanging all those strips in the bins. Yeah. And all of that stuff that just nowadays seems crazy. Like the amount That's of crazy. times that you can... Just swap things around. Mm-hmm. I think it made you think
0: about what you were shooting a lot more Absolutely. closely because Absolutely. you only had 100 feet. You had to be a little more like cognizant and like really prepared on what you were shooting and how you're making it. You know, a, and you couldn't just shoot 20 takes or whatever. And and even as, even in post, you were you had to be deliberately cutting specifically. Like you had to do it because if you had to redo it. You had to lift up the tape and literally. <laughs> with a razor blade? With a razor blade. it's insane. Cut it and move it. It seem so. I mean, it was 20 years ago. Did you digitize your films at all? I did. I did. I, I, well, I digitized it. I transferred it to VHS. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't digitized. I haven't fully digitized. I've but. Got, I,
1: you know what? I should have. I've got mine somewhere. I, the last two, I didn't mind. My last one was called Rise. Yeah. Film. Yes. I, yes. I still remember yep. that. Yep. And um, I think Smoker. And you were the star of
0: my. Second film, and it's called Smoker. I remember walking, it was, yeah. I had like a trench coat on yes. or something, and walking down the street. It, it, was I just, was I smoking? What was What was I doing? What was the premise? I, I think you were um, really pissed
1: off. Yeah, that seems for about right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were trying to give up smoking. Yes. And you were going through a, tough time so you yes. were kind of mean to people on the street and, yes. like you bumped into something actually, yes. I was in it I started my own <laughs> that, was, that, was my, that was my last acting gig actually
0: and you bumped into me on this the street it was the aggressive shoulder bump yeah.
1: yeah actually no and then right at the end I think you broke up with your girlfriend because then there was at the end oh, you threw I think, a, a lighter or something at
0: and a then. picture of your girlfriend
1: yes, <laughs> yes, Man, anyway. there's
0: there's a reason why they call it st- bad student work <laughs> it is, yeah. right yeah all the ones that
1: we watched, yeah, it was purely just to teach you. And about.
0: ours and ours were the best ones, of course, and they, and they were terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but there was still way of leaps now, and bounds better than. And I, really, I remember
1: yours actually more specifically when because you were snorting well, it was flower.
0: So it, it was it was, it was uh, we were trying to do some sort of uh, like a, a juxtaposition of the yes, train, a train, the speeding train, and yep. then somebody on speed yes. essentially, and the, the yeah, what it was like to to snort cocaine but in this case of obviously we've never done cocaine ever and so we we used uh flour or baking powder or something and it was great it was i just remember sneezing after what like, is flour I, I, like to snort it's um it's very it's very 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 nice <laughs> no no i don't uh it was almost like it was pretty much like you would imagine snorting flour to be like it wasn't very pleasurable, you know. But, hey, anything for art, right?
1: <laughs> well, let's let's take it back a little bit.
0: Why were you there?
1: Why, why did you go to the New York Film Academy? I wanted to become a filmmaker.
0: You know, I was, um, you know, I, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, and I was an English major, English pre-law. And I wanted to, I started writing scripts, and I wanted to, not become a lawyer. And I wanted to try my hand at filmmaking. So um, that's how I ended up there. You know, I'd written a couple spec scripts, college, the the most major motion picture college, uh, <laughs> which, which went nowhere. But, uh, but yeah, and it was, it was great. I just wanted to be hands on, you know, I knew that, you know, I'd been writing. So but I hadn't actually been behind the camera up until that point. But why the New York Film Academy? Was there any other short courses around at the yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, I think at the time it was like the idea of it was really appealing because it wasn't like a full program. It was like something like you can try this thing out for four, eight yeah. or 16 weeks, whatever it was. And you didn't have to. It wasn't like you had to. Have been, it wasn't a big spend in terms of like a semester at NYU or, you know, getting a four year degree in it. You can see if you liked it. Um, and then it was up to you and how far you wanted to take it after the fact. Yeah, which is exactly the same reason yeah. that
1: I wanted to too. I mean, I actually remember being there and then one of the lecturers asked why we were all there. And yeah. then when I said I was from Australia, he said, but you've got a fantastic film school right. afters. But it was exactly the same reason. You right. had to, you know, apply and then you had to get selected That's and right. then it was a full-time 12 months. That's right. You know, I had a job at the time and I was a bit the same as you. I was like, yeah. well, one, I wanted to travel, I wanted to go to New York. Right. and I'm like, I can, go and, I can go and do this thing for four weeks. Yes. Study, come yeah. back. Put that into play when yep. I get back. Cause I was working as a production assistant
0: yep. at a television station, mm-hmm. and I also liked that it was it was hands on too. Cause a lot of programs you don't get, you know you don't get to actually touch a camera for a while. You know, so I think the idea of like every week you're making a film that was really appealing. Yeah, you know? he, here's the equipment. Yeah, go go, go, go and, and make add it. it add, you know, it was very fun actually. Let's go into a bit more about the program. So we had to do
1: short film each yep. week. They did progressively get better. I think each one was a bit better than the last.
0: And each and each technically, I think each week there was a, a kind of a, a lesson plan. Like the yeah. first one was all about maison sen or setting the That's stage right. right, and then I can't remember like second and third week like the, what the the first two were silent, yes. And then
1: the last one we got to actually you got to create a tr- m o s sound. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As, a, as the Germans like to say.
0: <laughs> and
1: the third one, I think we got to pick a music track. Get, That's right. We picked a music track. That's to right. Go, to go with our film, but then we had to get that music track transferred yes. onto an audio yes. film, and then we oh had to God. sync it up, and yes. then we had to sync up yeah. the film of yes. the of the sound with the vision. Yes, that we also shot. Yeah, I, I take so many lessons still from that now yeah. about using cutting being on film versus. Yes everything being digital now. Right. What are your thoughts on, I guess, going through learning something digital now to, I guess, the analog way that we learned then? I think there's, there's pluses and
0: minuses to both, obviously, right? I think, you know, now you can you have the luxury of just shooting a lot of things, but it's also the opposite of fact, you, you, you can shoot too much, you know? And I think, you know, there's a, there's a luxury now with being able to try different things out that you, can't, you couldn't do back then when you were shooting on film. But for me, it was you know, there was a certain magic about film, and like may, and maybe it's just being kind of you know nostalgic for it or whatever. When you you know shipping it off to the lab, getting it back, and wondering if it came out or not. I mean, yeah. there was something about that, you know, like did I have my aperture? I mean, was everything right? Oh, you know, did I shoot it right? You know, and then getting it back and then seeing it, and then then projecting it. So seeing it on the steamback back, then then actually having it projected. Um, there 's something when light hits celluloid like and something magical happens, and i don 't you don 't get that in it, you know what I mean yeah. I feel like and again it 's probably nostalgia, you know more than anything you know what i mean but it it was it was harder to do I think now i mean you know the quality we can get on our phones is is spectacular it 's great yeah. you know you know i, I kind of miss i kind of miss that you know the old days film when we were talking about this the other day it was At that time too, we were it was like on the cusp of like digital premiere just hit and like, you know, high it was high eight cameras or whatever it was at the time and digital was just coming into into play. So it was like we had one foot in the old way and one foot in the new way. So I think that helped us in a lot of sense. So people that are digital natives now, they don't get to experience what it was like to do to have to like, you know, send off film and have to plan out your shoot a little bit more and I think the planning
1: side of things, knowing what cuts, mm-hmm. you know, cutting in your head is a lot of people talk about because you can just shoot so much now. Yeah. People just take that yeah. for granted. Yeah. Whereas back then, okay, what scene, what's cutting with what? How does this shot cut with the next shot? Yeah. Like a lot of that stuff, I think you learn to plan out mm-hmm. a lot more because of the work yeah. that it took in the back end if you didn't yeah. get it right.
0: I mean, because, you know, we didn't like storyboard or anything, but we had to set it up ahead of I mean, we had to know, like, okay. So you had like a, you had a minute of film and like you had to know exactly how to maximize that minute, you know, that's crazy to me. That's absolutely nuts, right? Just the idea of like, I mean, think about how, think about that now, just shooting like 60, I mean, that's nothing. It's just, you know, that was a big thing.
1: I think that just the general experience of being there was almost as good as the course itself because we
0: had a, we had a pretty good
1: time. There otherwise as well, didn't we? Like in terms of,
0: we got to meet some great people. Yeah, to experience they, some things.
1: For the guests that we had, um, Eric Stoltz.
0: yeah Stoltzy, as I like to call voice boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David McKenna, author of or writer, screenwriter of uh, American History X, was one of the professors, and uh, Ger- and Jerry Sherlock. Yeah, his claim to fame was the
1: Hunt for Red October. That's right. Wasn't he? Was that's a right. producer on Yeah, Jerry right. Sherlock. That was his name, that's wasn't it? Sure, yeah. Sherlock. Sure. <laughs> it's Elementary. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about this last night, but tell us about your unique experience when mm. you first got there. Do you
0: want do you want me to go into the, the yeah, floor? Full, te- yeah. full nitty yeah. gritty and and being homeless? You want me to talk about that? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, to give you know, I guess some backstory. <laughs> I, you know,
1: I was traveling for the first time as well, so yeah. I was staying at the local wine. Bar, essentially, in a dorm up up in harlem up in, uh, yeah. yeah up, 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 up in uh, up lexington town. i think it was up on lexington yeah
0: so you know we were both young and you know we didn't have i didn't have a lot of money and so i had a i had a, a place i was staying at for the entire time and this is over the millennium this is this is i don't know if anybody is, was alive back then to remember this who's listening to this uh but it was just over the millennium and so it was 1999 and it was crazy that time because everyone wanted to be in new york for the you know 2000 and so I had a place lined up for the, the t- whole four weeks or five weeks where I was six weeks I was going to stay there for. And the first night I, I went there, I went checked in my hostel. It was a hostel. It was a really cool one. Um, I'd met a, a fine young man from Australia, a different different fine young man from Australia. This one was uh, a little bit of a partier. And so we proceeded to go out, and we, we enjoyed the city a little too much. Came back and we were intoxicated, and we began to make a ruckus, and we we offended some people. One of them was the the night manager, the manager of the hotel, and so my first real lesson in New York was: when somebody says they're gonna kick you out of your hotel, they're not kidding. And so, you, sure enough, I got kicked out of my hotel, and I was on the street, and I had to figure out what I was gonna do. Which I did know at the time. I said, "Yeah, please come up and stay
1: with me." And yeah. I thought, oh, right I'm staying up the road. Yeah. You can." Yeah. Bunk down with me, yeah, you know, until you find something else. No dice. They wouldn't even let you in. No, it was, it was a one person per room. Apparently, type w- thing. apparently
0: word was out. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. but do <laughs> not let this guy in. Do <laughs> not let him in. Which was bad in itself because like, it was late at night, mm-hmm. and then you were literally had yeah two places that you thought you could stay at yeah. were, were then done yeah, and where did you, so where'd you end up sleeping that night?
0: Uh, probably at the school. Yeah. On the lounge at
1: the school. And the la- Yeah.
0: I was, I was, and I was worried that they were going to find me there and kick me out. But it was like the only place It was like, you know, it was warm and, <laughs> but, but you know, everything like I'm a, I'm a huge believer in like everything happening for a reason. And I think that the reason I, that happened, I think everything way leads on the way. Robert Frost once said, but like, I got kicked out, but I ended up going to another, uh, the Gershwin hotel, uh, where I met, um, a Norwegian woman for, uh, named Nina, Nina Samdahl, who's who's big in the Norwegian film scene right now. Um, she was in the room, and I met her, and then then we ended up sharing a, a place for a couple. Of, she became essentially like kind of like my muse, and she was like the star of my first film, um, where it was just called Nina, and it was it was Nina smoking in, in, in bed at the. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the that that hostel we were staying in. But it was yeah, it was like twenty thirty in Lex. I'll have to go check anyway. But it, so that happened for a reason. Then you know, then we ended up moving uptown into one of our, the one of the cinematographers who was teaching a course was going back to France. So he had his place open, so he let me stay there, and uh, it all worked out.
1: It was with another couple of
0: students. So yeah. it essentially, it was I think a one bedroom yeah apartment right. And there was think like, three years, which was, up. Which was palatial. At the time, I was I'm sleeping on a couch you know, one yeah. bedroom up in the 60s <laughs> next to the park. You know, it's great. great.
1: But as you say, it was fabulous because then that essentially yeah. came out kind of home away from home. Yeah, so, right. you know, that's where... We uh, ended up kind of posting up and... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And we'd yeah. go there and for the millennium, yeah. we ended up, you know, going as close as we could to Times Square, True. but it was all <laughs> blocked <laughs> off. And then we ended up, I think, back at the apartment. Yep. But then we've also... That's where I spent Christmas. So my first Christmas yeah. away. Yeah. Which it's is a photo the, that the I've previously that we're, we're, posted that we're going to recreate tonight. Recreate it. Look, but for, yeah, that, so look that for that <laughs> in the. Uh... Is, is there a
0: companion site for the? <laughs> yeah, check, oh, check, check the Instagram, check out check for the that.
1: socials. But it was amazing, and I think the fact that we all then kind of went our separate ways. Yeah, post New York Film Academy, and then maybe five years ago, did we? Imagine yeah. On Facebook. Yeah. I was working for an, an advertising agency, VML. Actually, before we get into that, let's start with what your role is now, what what you do, because I think it's good to, we've kind of talked a yeah. little about the nostalgia of yeah. the New York Film Academy, but let's just talk about where you're based now, yep. what you do, and then we can backtrack a bit through
0: your career post the yes. Film Academy. So I'm currently based on the East Coast, just outside Boston in Marblehead, Mass. I'm the group creative director for a digital advertising here in town called Digitas, after the New York Film Academy, you know, I, I went back to St. Louis, where I was from originally, and I, I didn't really have the means to, to kind of go to Hollywood and to, and to make it there, There, so I stayed around town and ended up, you know, taking a few film courses at a local school, Webster University, uh, but it also had a great advertising program, and so I ended up going doing a, a dual thing where it was advertising and film, um, and then I just started my career as a copywriter um, soon after. And then they, that kind of progressed into, you know, creative director, which is great because it's like, you know, allows me to continue filmmaking, but also flexes like some other sides of my muscle and brain, you know, allowing me to do things more digitally, some things more, you know, out at home photography. So it's great. So it's, it's a little bit of best of, uh, of everything.
1: So let's just go into that yes. about the... About the creativity side of things. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, working in advertising, mm-hmm. you know, as I do myself. So let's go through the creativity. I think let's give some specific examples. Let's take us through yeah. take us through the JFK. You know, you've received a lot of award and recognition
0: for that recently. Yeah. So why don't you take us through the yep. JFK project that you've yeah, been working so on? So this past year, um, the JFK Presidential Library and Museum in Boston reached out to us to um, help them celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission. Huge honor. I mean, it's a huge assignment. You know, so much you can do. One of the things, you know, we found out was that not a lot of kids today, part of what JFK, the JFK Presidential Libraries they're tasked with is preserving the legacy and memory of JFK, right? Um, so they do that through a variety of number of ways. But when we were talking about celebrating the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, we did some research and, a lot of, like, younger millennials and, and, and Z generation, they didn't understand JFK. They knew who JFK was, and they knew about the Apollo 11 mission. but They didn't know JFK kind of started the whole thing. They didn't know the connection between the two, right? So our goal and our, and our you know, challenge was essentially how can we help teach this younger generation about JFK's role into the in Apollo 11. Um, so we came up with the idea of JFK Moonshot in... 1962 JFK gave one of his one of the greatest speeches of all time really um, his famed moonshot speech I mean you know he says you know we choose to go to the moon not because it's easy but because it's hard and at the time when he was saying that we we're going to go to the moon in the next 10 years it sounded crazy because you know one they didn't even have half like the materials didn't even exist to put a man on the moon that's how crazy it was at the time you know and, and to, to make a goal like that it was great because it galvanized a nation, you know. And, and when you look at the the space race against Russia at the time, it really had you know we had you had that arch rival enemy there, and it gave America something to kind of you know come together and celebrate and like work towards this greater goal for humanity, you know. And. And that, so that idea of like, of a nation coming together during times of turmoil, right? So like cut to, you know, 1967, 68, 69, when we eventually landed on the moon, you know, that was, you know, Vietnam War started, there was civil rights, you know, happening. So it was was a time in the country of this major unrest. And if you look at kind of some of the parallels between, you know, 1969 and 2019, there's a lot of similarities, you know, in terms of where the country is. And so... What we wanted to do was, like, how can we bring back that idea of a country coming together and forgetting about, like, you know, different political differences or anything else and coming together and, and like, realizing a dream together? Um, how do we, like, get people to, to feel that and to experience that? So that's that was the kind of the, the, the idea for what ultimately became JFK Moonshot for us, that was – We ended up making an augmented reality recreation of the entire mission from start to finish. Uh, But we we didn't want to just do it for using tech for tech's sake, right? We wanted to use the technology as a way to embrace today's culture and today's youth and say, okay, back in 69, if somebody watched the moon, um, the Apollo 11 mission, they would have watched it on ABC News with Walter Cronkite, right? But if that happened today... You'd probably watch it through something like Twitch, and you know, like a popular like influencer or streamer would be Walter Cronkite. It you know, would be someone like Dr. Lupo who we had. You know, um, you know, if you instead of watching the launch happen with binoculars or a Super 8 camera, right? You'd be watching it today with your phone out and recording it. You know, so when we started thinking about how someone would experience 69 today, that's when we kind of came up with using augmented reality as a way to do that. So yeah, so it was, it was it was an amazing amazing accomplishment. So we basically dug in deep, and we spent over a year and a half developing this thing. Um, we are, we chose a production partner, Unit Nine, um, London based uh, digital production partner, who amazing um, partners in this whole thing helped us realize it. Uh, spent a year and a half developing it
1: which is i think pretty crazy isn't it for a client to go yeah. hey you've got this yeah. much time to do yeah. something because in our fields time is everything yes. and, and, and you like you never have that much time never. ever i need this out tomorrow type yeah. thing so it must have been pretty good to have that flexibility and it that was. room to move from a client yeah and
0: it was and it was necessary too i yeah. mean we had you know 6 months to basically plan and then 6 months to actually just start to produce and develop the you know everything so and we needed every every inch of that too, because it, we were up against it, like coming, you know, we had to delay a little bit. We wanted to, to launch a couple of weeks earlier than we ended up doing. Yeah. But it, it was great. So essentially, you know, 50 years to the day, on July 16th, 2019, we had our augmented reality launch of the Apollo 11 mission, exactly the way it happened in 1969. And we, we presented the whole thing in real time. So the mission unfolded in real time. Um, you could track along as through every stage of the the mission, uh, and then see the landing when the landing happened on the 20th it, it, and there would have been heaps of kids that that's where they
1: yeah would, would then go back and do their research on what happened. Like that's right might have been the first time they ever heard about the moon landing. yeah,
0: and and one of the, uh, the things I'm most proud of too of the the whole thing is you know we were looking at it as a, a digital new way of, of a documentary essentially, like how can we use technology to rethink what a documentary is, like a recreation of historical events or whatever, how you present those events? Well, this is kind of essentially like an augmented reality documentary that everyone can experience. And one of the things I'm most proud of with the whole program is that now we're creating a curriculum for classrooms across the country and the world, really, to um, to use this JFK Moonshot app in their classrooms to learn about the Apollo 11 mission and then also JFK. I think a lot of people look at advertising
1: as, you know, a dirty word. Like yeah. I think I saw an online poll recently where essentially was, yeah, the least respected or, uh, yeah, worse than politicians. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and used car salesmen. And used like, car sales. Like politicians, used car salesmen, advertising people. Yeah. <laughs> and look, don't get me wrong. There's
1: plenty of bad advertising and bad advertising yes. people. But I think the example that you've just spoken about kind of proves that you can take it anywhere you like. If yeah. you want to take advertising and creativity into a field and use it for now educational purposes, mm-hmm. I think there's lots of ways you can do that. But do you think there's a lack of that type of foresight at the moment? Yeah. And I guess how can we elevate... Yeah. You know, advertising across the world, really. I guess yeah. in
0: terms of doing more things like that, that cut through. I'm a huge believer that like great work only happens when you work with brave and smart clients, right? That are that are willing to do that because I think so much so much now with advertising is driven by cost and efficiencies um, that takes a lot of the creativity sometimes out of it because it's all about you know proving out you know engagements or KPIs and all the you know algorithms and all yada yada and you know and End of the day, you know, a lot of these brand managers they they need to have something to prove out that they were effective at their job, right? And then it's it's so it's less about building brand affinity or love for a brand versus just like I need to show my bosses I a eyes, result I a result and I didn't break the budget doing it, you know, I saved some money doing it, and because of that, is I think the quality and craft of of advertising and creativity has suffered, and so I think it's up it is up to individuals like us and creatives in the field to. To push clients to get them to understand that the best return on investment you can make is doing something creative. It's the best thing you can do for a brand. It's something people are going to remember you. They're going to love you, and they're going to tell your friends about you. You know, and you know that doesn't happen when you know you try to save a few bucks and and uh, just produce something just to produce it.
1: No, and it it seems to be always the usual suspects that mm-hmm.
0: turn out. You know, like everyone always talks
1: about whether it's a Nike or whether it's yeah. you know the. Your famous Christmas ads and all those yeah. types of things They're always the same type of people yeah. that everyone loves everyone
0: loves sharing
1: yeah yeah it's quite strange that we can't get more of that and clients to be a bit more brave right
0: yeah and it's if I knew the answer to, to get in I would be sitting here talking here with you I mean, no I wouldn't be again it's it's you know you have to have clients have to be brave and they have to be willing to step off of the lads with you and and you have to be you know willing enough to like show them and prove to them that it's worth it because that's, it's a big trust thing, you know what I mean? And getting a client to trust you for a year or two weeks or, you know, a long-term relationship like a Nike and a Wyatt and Kennedy or something, it's, it is about trust. And it's about, you know, proving out your worth and making great work. So let's backtrack a little bit now. We talked a little bit about this last night. We mm-hmm. talked about, I
1: have no regrets, but some regrets. Yes. In terms of the whole filmmaking thing, yeah. in terms of giving it a shot, but not regretting where you are at right now. Yeah. Just take me back to that moment again, and if you were talking to your younger self, mm-hmm. just to ride back from New York Film Academy, full of
0: confidence, yeah, pissing vinegar. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> where do you think you would take yourself now? I, you know, it's interesting because we were talking about this last night and about just the idea of like what you dreamt your your life would be like and what where did your life actually ends up becoming. And it's interesting because I love what my life is and I love what I do. I get to have fun for a living. I get to make cool shit. I get to have, you know, travel the world and it's great. I have, you know, I can provide for my family and, you know, live a great life, but it's not the dream that I had when I was at the New York Film Academy, right? I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the next, you know, I don't know, Tarantino at the time or what, you know? And, And so, so the idea of like, you know, having to, you pivot away from your dream or whatever, or you just evolve. I don't know. I don't know if it is like a, I don't know if it's like so much a regret or, it's just more of a realization of like that life is you can do so much more with your life, or it, life is much more than a single narrow-minded like dream or goal. I think you can expand that goal and, and become be morphing into something else.
1: An In industry like filmmaking, though, do you think you have to have that? singular focus to actually make it because it is yeah, so hard. i
0: do i think i think it's like i mean i think it's like anything and, and i'm kind of obsessive about my my industry and my craft now and that's you know you have to be single-minded to be successful in anything and focused right whether it's sports or an elite athlete or or a top filmmaker you know you, you have to be willing to make sacrifices and do the things that other people just don't do i think at the end of the day that's what separates the a-list from b-list to c-list is like that they're just willing to do that much more to, to get there. And look, that leads us probably nicely into the next thing we want to talk
1: about, which is happiness. Yeah. Now, it sounds like you're pretty happy with things at the moment. I'm so miserable,
0: Dean. <laughs> get me out of here. No, I, I, the last few years, I've been, have been the happiest of my life. You know, I've I've got a six-year-old son, beautiful wife, you know, great. I live in a great area of town, you know, in the country, get to ski in the winter, go to the beach in the summer. I mean, that's the quality of life is good, you know, and what is happiness? I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean I feel like this is happiness, you know what I mean? I'm not making millions and millions of dollars, but I'm I'm happy, you know, and so obviously money is not happiness, but you know, I think this is this is what I was meant to be doing. I think that in itself, the fact that you know that's what
1: happiness is yeah. for you, because I think yeah. you know we all, and yeah, myself included, sometimes think that there's a certain dream happiness, but it's like we have to keep striving. Where does it become, okay, I'm happy in what I yeah. do. The grass, is always I, the, grass, I become, the grass is always greener, right? Or that I'll become complacent versus yeah. I want to keep striving yeah. and therefore, am I not happy until I
0: strive for that ultimate goal, if you know what I mean? I do. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's always that, that constant... St- thing we have to fight against is like is this enough or is it is this am i doing everything i can be doing you know i mean is the 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 grass is always greener that idea but a wise man once told me that the the grass is brown on on either side of the fence yeah you know what i mean so so just water the lawn that you're on you know and, and make that as green as you can make it and i'm still i still think i'm evolving and like growing you know and Maybe gets back to the idea of like what our purpose, like purpose-driven stuff too. Like you know, like I, I often think about that. Like why am I now? Because I'm getting older, I probably think you know more about what am What am I doing here? What What is my role on this planet? You know, <laughs> what legacy do I want to leave? Yeah, I mean, because you know, we're, I'm I'm gonna die soon, probably probably sooner than later. <laughs> no. but um, yeah, it's you know what I mean. Like especially in, as being you know being fathers and stuff too. You see, I think you see the world differently too. But we're looking at a holiday, like, so obviously yeah. I'm here on holidays yeah, at the yeah. moment, yeah.
1: went to Boston, spent a few days in Boston, came up to Marblehead and you're yeah. graciously hosting us. Yes. So basically to have someone that I hadn't seen for 20 years, yeah. literally look at how our lives have changed, yeah. how they're different, how they're the same, yeah. families now. And, and I guess to be able to say to my kids, you know, here's someone that played a big part in, because that was probably one of the most magical experiences that I had, was yes, going to New Sam. York at Absolutely. the Film Academy at that point in yeah. time in my life. Yeah. So I just think it's great to be able to come back, have my own kids, yeah. meet
0: and play with your kids. I feel I feel like we should be hugging right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing. Like there's something about like tr- true friendship. Is like you can see somebody and not see them in 20 years, or talk to them in 20 years, and and you can just jump right in. And like our kids were just getting along right out of the gate, and we were just like picked up like it was nothing. You know what I mean? And I think that's a sign of. Now you know one you know it's a special relationship with someone when you when you can do that. It doesn't happen that often, but I think it also it's a, it's a testament to that moment in time and like what we experienced together, you know, it was great. And I think that's
1: why I probably keep coming back yeah. to America, you like cuz I had such a positive experience there that. Yeah. I want to relive that moment or I get inspired by doing that. You know, like cause a lot of times you can get bogged down in your own mm-hmm. life and what you're doing and yeah. the routine. So to break yeah. that up and you know, I guess be reminded of these kind of moments and whatever. You know, as we spoke briefly yesterday about I didn't travel much, you didn't travel much yeah. as kids, okay. whereas you look at our own and, you know, like multiple overseas Live trips the and the, those
0: little yeah. bastards.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I think it taps into a bit of the happiness there. It's not just about money and what, yeah. what we earn or True. even what we do. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people put a lot of importance on a job title. But
0: I will say the one difference of being a, crea- a creative, right, there's always – I don't know if it's an insecurity thing, but it's you always – Want to do And perform And do something Do more You yes. know what I mean Then yep. You know Whether it's like I, I need I want to do A bigger budget thing yes. Or I want to do A bigger project Or you know Like You know I still remember Like you know Like oh I want to do My first TV commercial Then I did my first TV commercial And I'm like Okay now I want to do You know I, it, It's like There's no, there's always What's more. enough, what's yeah, enough? Exactly. So yes. what is enough You know And like What is the What's the end of the page <laughs> Like you know In the endless scroll Like what's the How do you stop The endless scrolling and of your life and your, the way you think and just like be happy with. And do you feel that in
1: work and social
0: Yeah, as well? I mean, yeah, I think like and to me it's now it's like, you know, I think I started teaching this past year. Which oh, really? I, yeah. So I started teaching an ad class, um, which is great because then that's another, just another thing that, you know, because I'm always looking for another thing. But it, but it also allowed me to like, one, you know, my mom's a teacher, my grandmother's a teacher, my sister's a teacher. Um, So I feel like I I have to be a teacher at some point. Uh, But like the idea of passing on knowledge to someone else, whether it's your child or someone else, and like teaching them like what you do and how you do it and how you think about something, uh, that when you think about legacy, that's, I mean, you know, just getting it like you don't understand. Like I always got frustrated with people I worked with that weren't as good as I was because I couldn't understand why they didn't think like me. Like, you know what I mean? But, like, the only person that can think like you is you because you're, all of your experiences inform your decisions you make, right? Like, you know, if I didn't go to the film academy or if I didn't, you know, take a year off school and go to work at a ski resort, I wouldn't have my life experiences that make me make the creative decisions I do today. And so, like, having to, like, showing, like, telling someone else, like, how, you know, like, I started sharing like all the things that, like, influenced me growing up in terms of, like, Creativity, like that's what I share because it's like that's part of like, you know, hey, if you want to think like how I think or these are the things that, you know, you need to watch or need to see or need to absorb. Tell me about some of those influences. What what are they? I mean, everything, you know, from like films growing up, of, you know, all Spielberg films to like the films of like, you know, early Tarantino, Rodriguez, you know, and then even getting into advertising, you know, the early Crispin Porter days, the, the Droga days, like those things, like, you know, I was I was teaching the kids about David Droga. Had this, you know, one of his when he first started Droga Five. David Droga is a is, is one of your people. He is yes, <laughs> famous famous advertising. He just yeah, um, executive creative director, um, probably one of the best of all time. But when he started his agency, Droga Five, one of the first campaigns he did was for Mark Echo, in which they they basically tagged Air Force One. Um, but when that came out in like maybe two thousand nine, two thousand eight, two thousand seven, it was like the first viral thing, right? Because they faked, they faked this whole thing. They, they, the level of craft to it and attention to detail is amazing. They literally got a a seven forty one or whatever, whatever the Air Force One is, painted it, decked it out, made it seem like they're breaking into Andrews Air Force Base tagged it still free you know um which is mark echo's tagline and dumped it out to all they basically it was the first time the uh, advertising piece was really used that way to that leverage earned media and, and pr and like that was the ad it wasn't like a commercial or anything else they they did this thing they dumped it on this online this newfangled, you know online youtube thing and they knew that it would blow up and get the attention that it did you know and Um, the press it did, and it was so smart. Just at the time I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is, this is what's happening in advertising, you know? And then he, you know, fast forward to like Crispin Porter days and everything that Bogusky was doing at the time with, you know, from the truth campaign, um, one of the reasons I did come to to Boston and and Mullen was because my boss John Curious works on the Truth Campaign, and I'm like, I'm like, I have to know more about the Truth Campaign, you know, and so to be able to hear about that knowledge and to take that in, first thing was great. But all these things, like you know, and I feel like to me, everyone knows this stuff, but kids don't like kids coming up in the business, they don't know this and they don't know. Reservoir for our dogs. You know, you know what I mean. They were, like, you know, so it's like it's sharing all that stuff is is really cool, and it's cool to see like the light come on in there. You know, like literally a light bulb popping up above their heads, like ding! Oh my god, this is, yeah. Um, and one of the things I played for him was this. Um, Everything's a remix. It's a it's a really cool YouTube film. It just talks about how you know everyone steals from everyone, um, but it's, it's definitely worth watching for everyone out there. How do you think?
1: that's going to play out with, I guess, your own family. So you're looking at yeah. Holden now. Regardless of what... You can know, hear <laughs> you in that? the background, you can hear yeah. the kids. Do you have those type of hopes and dreams for Holden? And Yeah. Regardless of what he does in terms of exploring his creativity?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely something I, mean, I encourage more than anything. It's just like I just let him, I want him to experience everything. You know what I mean? Like from music to toys to climbing rocks to skiing to whatever, you know. But, like, one of the, my biggest joys is seeing him experience something for the first time, whether it's a train ride or going to a Celtics game or whatever it is, like, just seeing it in his eyes and, like, knowing. Because that's something, you know, you once you get to a certain age, you don't get to experience first anymore. Yes. You, you know what I mean, it's very rare that we get to have a first of anything anymore. Um, but to see it through their eyes, it's, it's really remarkable.
1: And the thing that I've found, especially through traveling, is – you can't anticipate what is going to inspire them. Yeah. You know, like as I mentioned, we were going through the yeah. park the other day and, you know, so we'd been to Disneyland, all these other type of things that, oh, they're going to love this, which they did, but seeing squirrels, See the squirrels. in the park and the play, squirrels. Play are playing ca- with
0: ice on a rock today. Oh, ice on a, like <laughs> yeah. those things, they yeah. talk
1: about that stuff. Like it's yeah. those little things that you think mean nothing or that aren't yeah. important in yeah. the big scheme of things. Yeah. But to a kid. Yeah they love those things and they remember those. So I think it's probably another lesson in well, one happiness and creativity is that it can be inspired from anywhere. It doesn't have to be in the traditional forms that we think.
0: Yeah. I mean, just be, and being open, always being open to like outside influences and just letting, not to get weird and like mystical with the universe, but like, you know, like the energy you put out there and the energy you get back, like, just being open and receptive to that stuff. And like, whatever happens, hap- you know, again, it's not the, the toy that comes in the box. It can be the most fun thing. It's, sometimes it's the box itself, you know, just embracing that notion and just letting, letting things happen. One of the, uh, going back to Eric Stoltz, um, he was in a, a movie Kicking and Screaming um, in which he played a, it was a, a film about college students living in this, uh college town in the summer, but he played a bartender. And one of, one of his lines, and it was like, you want, if you want to know how to make God laugh, you make a plan. You know, what I mean? yeah, <laughs> and so, nice. uh, and so uh, that idea of like just you know organically letting things happen sometimes can be, is, is can be the best thing. So, just tell us a little bit about what you think the future holds. We're all going to die in like thirty years <laughs> unless we can reduce our carbon footprints dramatically. But
1: no. <laughs> other than that, it's, no life and work. Where yeah. where do you kind of see the future taking you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just enjoying making things right now, and whatever that that however that manifests itself and unfolds like i i will always no matter where i'm at or what i'm doing where my job title is i'm always gonna be making something making art or making you know film making digital projects whatever you know i don't really have a plan you know in terms of what that is i mean i have a few projects that i'm, I'm, I'm eyeing towards and working towards um pretty soon but you know it's, it's more about just kind of again just like the mindset of being creative and like always always trying to make something. I think that's I think that's important to like, you know, again, going back to the notion of first and just should always be striving just to, to make something. Yeah, just make something today. And um, we've, got, we've got a lot of bogeys, a lot of bogeys, a lot of, a lot of noise interference. <laughs> just people just walking around like it's their house. Sorry. Oh, jeez. We're podcasting here, people. We're podcasting. Quiet on set. And rolling. I don't know. Do you have like a plan, like a 10-year plan or what do you do?
1: I probably get too guilty of thinking too far ahead. Yeah. I start to get in in my own way. Yeah. Actually, here's another one. How do you think age is starting to dictate your thoughts on because it's personally, I start thinking about things that I'm doing right now and then I think, you know, the way things are at the moment might not be like that in five, 10 years time. The landscape might be different. Yeah will i be ahead of that crew will i be behind yeah. you know where are things gonna go i think there's there's excitement and there's also yeah. there's a bit of fear yeah, there yeah. as well in terms of not knowing but we're I all guess, gonna be replaced by robots all of that type of thing yeah. you know it's where do you see yourself within that in terms of age and industry and what's happening i do think of i mean obviously
0: you know as you get older you think about like you know jesus i gotta i, I got to do this for another t- 25 30 years for you know I mean but yeah. or, or, or like I got a going to be going to college and you know or whatever I got to pay for that you know but cuz I mean how, how many 60 year old creative directors are there in yeah, advertising none I mean the biggest joke in advertising is, is like um how many retirement parties have you ever seen I mean, cuz you age out you do it so I mean that's just the fact of the business it's like but I think most people age out not because of their physical age I think it's because of their mental age right I think it's it's like they don't they don't stay up to date with with what creativity is or where the business is you know like i started when i started advertising i was i was writing direct mail i was a copywriter writing junk mail essentially you know what i mean um but then i embraced digital i embraced social media i embraced new tech you know traditional film you know and so i think again if if you're not evolving with the business you're you're dying and you're aging yourself out it has nothing to do with your age um you know sometimes it does but it's more about you're. Are you relevant and can you provide value? You know, and I think as long as you're doing that, you're making, you're providing, you're relevant, you're providing value, you're gonna be fine. You know, well, no, I'll probably get laid off next year or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can ride the Jive Kai thing for a little while, might you can. I, oh, I'll, I'll ride the, I'll ride the cocktails out for at least a year. Or <laughs> no, uh, no, no, it's definitely definitely think about it. But I just I try not to think too much about it. You know what I mean? Like, like I try to stay in the moment now like I know I, I'm not blind to the future I actually have you know thinking about it a lot but I, I, I'm more focused on like what can I do today to improve my future
1: and is there other other than the JFK one are there some other kind of highlight moments that yeah. you've had across the various different agencies you've worked at
0: yeah I mean I've worked at a variety of different agencies everything from traditional agencies like Mullen Lowe my last place here in Boston before I was at Digitas um, working on the Royal Caribbean account doing some great work I mean Talk about work that doesn't suck. I mean, going down to shoot, you know, in the Caribbean every month. You know, that's not a bad gig, right? You know, so, you know, great work, great people there. I got to learn so much from just a, you know, a traditional, you know, side of the business. Um, great print, great t- TV work. Digitally, you know, VML, VML is probably always going to be like the place where I learned how to be a true creative. Like uh, the the way VML was set up. And the mentors there, from from John Cook to Debbie to John Godsey to Tony Sneathan, my boss, like they taught you the the business of advertising. That was the first time I felt like you know, and I understood that because I was coming out from a small market in St. Louis. I was doing a lot of Anheuser Busch work. You know, I'd had some success with social media campaigns for Haynes, and that got me the attention to to where I went to Momentum. Uh, then Momentum, I did some really pretty cool stuff with LG Mobile, um, and then that led me to uh, VML in Kansas City, where I worked on Gatorade, where we did some really cool stuff, ended up wearing a couple lions, you know. Well, so let's just touch on the yeah. Gatorade while you're yeah. there. So I think that is probably the one where then we
1: got in contact. That's where that's when we, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, kind of coming full circle. So just tell us
0: about that yeah. project,
1: and then um, I can tell you about Because yeah. you did not end up coming out on that job, so I can tell no, you.
0: What. My, my partner at the time, Nick Allegri, Screwed me. No, I'm just kidding, Nick. I love you, buddy. Uh, no, so we had this idea, uh, Nick and myself. So we were we were the creative directors on Gatorade um, at VML, and and we had this idea to do um, essentially a football exchange program. At the time, I don't even know if you knew the the original idea was it was. I think we called it Football Times Three or F Three.
1: Yes. I, I saw one of the
0: original. I think treatments. Yeah. So we was... so we were, we were going to send like. Mas Rodriguez, the football player, actual football player, soccer player. Uh, we're going to send him to America, I think. And then we're going to send Cam Newton to Austria. And then I forget the Aussie rules guy we're going to send to.
1: Was it Sam Mitchell?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think that's exactly it, actually. We're going to have him to send him to Europe to play soccer, essentially. Um, so it was going to be this triad, this FX type football times three. and It was going to be amazing, you know. But going back to, like, you know, budgets and everything else, we're like, we can't, you know, we can't afford to do that. So let's, you know, let's simplify the idea. But I think that happened after you,
1: the team had arrived in Melbourne. Because I'm sure that was still in it the was, in the works. And then still, as they arrived, yes, yes. The, I think the word, word came, came down through,
0: and it was like just going to be this is it, this is the leg. So we, I reached out to you because we were going to send, we were sending Cam to Melbourne to play with what's what was it, What's the team? Richmond, the, the Richmond Tigers. Richmond Tigers, yeah, yeah. Richmond yeah. Tigers, yeah um, to learn Aussie rules. You know, it was his off season So we had that going So I'm like I got, I got a guy I know a guy in Melbourne I went to film school with him Let's you know He could help us out You know And sure enough he did And I didn't I, I unfortunately Because the budgets got cut Because um, Cam had a huge entourage And I think his His Whatever I don't know uh, But um, I So I had to sit back So my partner went for me Which is fine Which is great I wasn't bitter at all I'm still not bitter <laughs> about it Damn it Nick No um, so, yeah, so literally, I think on the plane over, that we found that budgets got cut, um, and then the only thing that we could afford was just this one piece. So no pressure. You, you've you just sent one of these star NFL players in the, in the league to Australia, and you have to make something happen out of it, out of nothing, essentially. Like So you, we were kind of rethinking, I think, the, the idea on the spot a little bit, too. Like, you know, I was... I was writing up things, treatments and things. I sent him over to Nick, and Nick's brainstorming with the director, TJ, and you guys. And, and uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. But it was, it was a great piece. I mean, it, you know, he ended up, you know, it was, turned out really well. And he ended up going to the – after he, he trained with the Richmond Tigers for that summer, he comes back, has his MVP season, and goes to the Super Bowl. All, beca- all because we, of, of what we did. Exactly. <laughs> That's that we, we can take sole
1: credit for that. And the Richmond Tigers after that, he hadn't won a premiership in – however many years have now won two out of the last three really? yeah wow
0: so so we did that that's us
1: oh yeah yeah exactly and gatorade gatorade but i think what is important out of that as well is because you never know where things will take you right if you know what i mean so it was vml based in kansas city right
0: but we had a sydney office we had
1: a sydney office filming with a star from
0: carolina panthers yeah.
1: carolina panthers the director, director was, was from... Ireland, right? Yep. Yeah. The production company was New York. Yep. And the DP was based out of, I think, Portland or yeah. Oregon.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: So to me, we're very... In Australia, anyway, we're very... You're isolated. You're, kind you're, of isolated you're, you're in immoral. terms of... But even in terms of the states. Like, yeah. yes, we might go to Sydney or... Right. But generally speaking, it's all very local. Yeah. Whereas that what that Gatorade job opened up for me was you guys... Take people from everywhere. You get the best people for the job, yep. regardless of location, yeah. to get the best piece. And I think it's yeah. something that kind of gets missed a lot of the time. Is that yeah. we just c- kind of use whoever's around or whoever's right. local. Yeah. But just tell me thoughts from a creative point of view, and even with the JFK thing being a London based. Yeah. Is it purely best people for the job? Yeah, I in mean, your in your yeah, eyes, or how much
0: of yeah, budget I, falls into yeah, that? I mean, it's it's both, right? I mean, when you when you're working on a brand like Gatorade, it's like the bar is set so high for that brand. You know what I mean? Like the historically, they they're up there with the Nikes of the world in terms of doing great work. So you always have to elevate what your output is, and so you always go after the best production companies, the best directors, you know, the best post houses. Um, you're always doing that. Obviously, budget dictates it, you know, on what you do. So you you source i mean that's having a good producer and a good team around you like finding the right people for the job no matter where it is and when you go when you're going halfway around the world you know i mean you have to you have to just source it all and for for me it's it's like you know when we bid out a project for like gatorade we'll get we, you know we'll our producers will, will send us who they think are good directors and good houses to, to work with and we'll look at reels we'll get you know, and then we'll call with them. And, and then it's a vibe session and just seeing what their, if their vision matches ours. And you know, if it is, it's, it's go time and let's make something, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, and it's, it was interesting always, too, because I don't know if, if people are familiar where Kansas City is in the States, but Kansas City is in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's typically called like flyover country because nobody really stops and goes to Kansas City unless they're flying over to somewhere else, you know. And so we were like this great agency in the middle of nowhere working on these huge brands, you know, shooting all around the world. And so it, it ended up becoming and VML is now since have, has absorbed or merged with y um, and they're just one of the biggest, you know, agencies in the WPP hierarchy or fold, or whatever.
1: Okay. So another question I want to ask was about time. Because obviously in our creative pursuits, you know, we're, we're always lacking time. We don't have yes. enough time. We've never had enough time.
0: It's the most valuable, valuable commodity we have is, a, is time. Honestly, it's like one of my early bosses, when I was first starting as a copywriter, he, he was a, he was a workaholic and he would always tell me that you have, there are 3 8-hour uh, work days in 24-hour period you know and, and, he, and he's kind of right i mean so it's you're always struggling with finding the time to do creative pursuits spend time with your family spend time with work like you know it's hard i mean and, and i think you know ray bradbury the writer told my mom once that there's a lot of other great writers out there The only difference is that I actually write I do it You know what I mean? And there's and there's something with that It's like the notion of like You can't wait for tomorrow You have to find the time today To put pen to paper Or to, you know Pick up the camera Shoot something Like Unless you're actually doing it And making it Like Time's always gonna slip away from you You always have to just take Make the most of it Like it's That's why it's the pr- most pr- Precious commodity we have It's like you have to make the most of every minute you're on this planet. And just tell me about the balance. And I think that also ties
1: into our, the happiness in terms of the, the work-life balance yeah. as well. Because people can take that effort of time saying, I never have enough time. Meaning that I've got to spend more time at work, yeah. working on these deadlines, no, yeah. yet I'm going to let my family yeah. suffer. So just tell me about, I guess, the
0: balance of time, which is probably yeah. even more important. Yeah, it's it's identifying what your balance or what you're trying to we're we're literally so we're and we can just paint a picture for everyone we're in my house and the kids are running around us and we're like it's talking about like you know we're making a podcast while we're hanging out with our family too so i think for me it's like i don't like to have separate work from my personal life like i will bring my son with me on shoots or i will bring my son to the office you know like and bring him into it and And I think that's one way to make the most of it. Like, so you don't have to make the decision of like jeopardizing work for family or vice versa. You know, like to me, it's like, how can I maximize my time in such a way where I get to spend the most time with my family? Like, And, you know, how can I get this done, like work done quickly and efficiently and as best it can be so I can spend more time with my family and and vice versa? You know, it's like everybody's situation is different and everyone does. There's no secret formula for doing it. You know, you just have to identify what you want and then you have to identify the best way to do it. It's kind of a bullshit cop out answer a little bit, but you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what else the the way you
1: do. I was speaking to someone about this once because I was telling them about, you know, having that struggle between when you're at work and you're thinking about being at home and then when you're at home, you're thinking about being at work and not being present in either. And then she said to me, you need to tell yourself that you choose to do what you do. So if you're at home, I'm choosing to do this right now so that can make you happy. Yes. So I think yeah, I think it does come down to to choice, but there's no doubt that it's it's a hard balance because all the great positive talking that we can muster up there still becomes demanding clients and
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, other things that demand your time.
0: And, but at the end of the day, it is a choice. Like you you make the choice to do whatever like right for me like I was, you know, I was working at a previous agency. I was working so much, I, I wasn't seeing my family enough, and I made the, I had, the, I made the choice to leave, and so I could see my family more. You know what I mean? So, you know, you it is at the end of the day, you have to know, you have to know what you want, and you just have to make it happen. And if Holden comes to you and says, "I want to go to the New York Film Academy," yeah, will you let him go? Would you have any advice for him? I, I, I would say, not over my dead body, son. Get a real, get a real fucking job. <laughs> Just a few quick ones to to close up on. Yeah,
1: one place one place to travel you've never been and why?
0: Uh Japan. I've always wanted to go to Japan. Um, just because I think so much. There's just it's always it's just cool. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just I love the idea of just being somewhere that's so not American. Yeah. That's just so foreign, like where I, I can just get out of everything and just absorb and immerse myself in a completely new culture and a new place. Which I think comes from a creative background as well. It, yeah, it sparks some creativity. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Just like you know, that whole loss in translation thing. You know what I mean? It's just I just feel like they're they're ahead of the game on so much stuff when it comes to pop culture and just like influence. Like the things that they do hit the states like ten years later. You know, and just not only from a tech and but cultural standpoint. You know, just. Definitely, yeah. Tokyo, Japan. I mean, all of Asia, really. Like, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to do a lot of Asia. You know,
1: I only had a quick three-day working trip there, but I'd love to go back as well. Yeah.
0: All right. Best sporting event you've been to, and why? Best sporting event. There's been uh, a few. I've been very fortunate. So I went to the 2008 Super Bowl, in which the Patriots lost to the Giants. In which this was one of my first social media campaigns. I was working for Haynes, and we were doing some stuff. and, And the client got us tickets to the game. Uh and then my talent and I snuck down to the post game press conference and we got to interview Tom Brady, which is great. Um so that was that was an amazing experience. Um I'm a lifelong Cardinals baseball fan. Um so I got to attend Game Seven of the World Series at, at Bush Stadium in Saint Louis where we clinched clenched it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um so that was pretty special. I'd say those are definitely probably the two most memorable ones, which are pretty nice, you yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah, they don't good. they don't they don't suck. So I'm, I've been trying to do. I've got a bucket list of all the things. But what other ones are on the bucket well, list? The number one. So the number one uh, swearing event I've ever been to, and I feel bad for saying this, but not really, uh, was. So I've, I've become a, a huge Liverpool fan in the last few years. Ever since the NBC thing came over and I, like started watching, you know, Saturday Sunday soccer, you know, and Holden and I just became. Liverpool fans. Um, I love Steven Gerrard, and then Jurgen Klopp. Their manager came on, and I love that dude. And I just love their team. I love the way they play. And so I've become a huge Liverpool fan. So Holden and I went to our first father and son trip last year, when we went to uh, Anfield in Liverpool and watched the uh, Merseyside Derby, which is where they play their cross town rival, Everton. Uh, And they ended up winning in the last, literally the last minute, on a fluke goal. Um, it was like the ninety-four. It was like four minutes of stoppage time, and they they scored, and the place went crazy. We went crazy. Uh, it was just it was just a magical time, just you know experiencing that with with my son, and it was it was it was great. Yeah. So that's probably the the number one experience I've had. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. What about you? What do you what do you yours? Uh
1: I, I worked at a few as well, which is yeah. like for us state of origin. Yeah, is probably. Um, you know the highlights. It's it's New South Wales versus Queensland, yeah. so it's like all the best players from New South Wales, all the yeah. best players from Queensland play, and it's generally speaking that, you know the best yeah. rugby league yeah. that you'll see. And I've worked on a couple now, and just to have that opportunity to stand on the sideline yep. while that game's going on, yep. for me is pretty amazing. I've done that two or three times, yeah. and yeah, every every single time you just kind of pinch yourself. And yeah. again, this is another thing with with work. There's these experiences and things that. You know, you work with the right clients and do the right things and do good work and you get these amazing experiences, you know. They can take you places that you just never thought. Yeah. Like I grew up in yeah, a small 8,000 town from regional New South Wales and I never dreamt that I'd had those type of experiences and opportunities. Uh, so. Southern,
0: Southern Illinois, you know, Belleville, Illinois, like small town, you know. Yeah, same. I never thought I'd be, you know, staying next to, you know. But you don't have to have a small town thinking. Yeah, ex- boom, nice. I like that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the idea of like I'd be on set like hitting tennis balls with Serena Williams or like hitting, you know what I mean? Like that idea is just so so foreign of, of a concept to, you know, the 16-year-old me in, in Belleville, you know what I mean? But, yeah, it's it's an amazing life, an amazing business were you know.
1: And uh, tell me, this might be a
0: quickfire question, but
1: um, why do you think the world is so influenced by America and American culture?
0: Yeah. Do you think they still are? Well... I mean, I don't know. That's a real good question. I
1: feel like it, it should be waning. It should be... You know what I mean? I think there's no doubt that the whole yeah. Trump administration has started to yeah. drag things down. Yeah. But I think for historically, I think it's always been like Hollywood. and like that that, yeah. that drove everything. Generally speaking, I think it's either what we consume on television. I say it might be starting to change now because of the amount of options that we can now stream, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah, it's either, I think, film and TV stars or sports stars. And sports. And I think there is it generally speaking because yeah. the best of all of those yeah. are American in a traditional sense.
0: Get, I mean, do you guys get like American sports down there? Like, do, I mean, we get everything. Everything.
1: Imagine that.
0: <laughs> I know. But like, what do you guys I mean, do you watch, you watch, you guys are NBA fans? Yeah, so we watch basketball. Yeah. American football or no? Not, not, not so much. In, not in a view. You're, you're, you're NBA all the
1: way. I like great sports people, great sports teams, great yeah. sports. Yeah, yeah people you know yeah. like i might not watch every game of nfl or nba yeah but i love watching you know your lebron james yep. and then your tom brady's or those types of people i love just seeing what great
0: athletes are yeah, yeah. and yeah, it,
1: yeah. it probably comes down to i guess that creative itch we both got as well is that i like seeing people at the top of the game
0: yeah you know the same yes. I like great movies yeah.
1: i want to see yeah. you know i love great filmmakers that make yeah. great movies or yeah. great TV shows like, I just want to see the best yeah. of, of everything and the same with sports I want to see you know like I don't watch every tennis event yep. around the world but I want to watch the Australian Open I want to watch the final of the US Open yep. I, you know you want yeah, to see yeah. the best yeah. players play against each other yeah. you know? and,
0: and I think maybe and maybe that's why America's influence because I mean historically America's always produced whether it's the best films I mean uh, from a sheer value and sheer output standpoint you know like Hollywood's still, Hollywood's still Supreme you know and I think you know commercials and everything that, and the idea of pop culture. But I think music and sport are probably of the most dominant. Again, I think that America leads leads the pack when it comes to that for the most part. You know, I think that's I think that's changing. I think everything's globally. It's you know one world now, and I don't think it's you know I think it's definitely being more democratic. But I you know I just think that uh, America, man, fuck yeah, America, <laughs> fuck yeah, <laughs> great, and just.
1: Very final one any any final thoughts so final thoughts on creativity
0: whatever yeah, anything yeah I, I'm just you know like again just the idea of like the the creative paths we take and like the things that we get to do on a daily basis is amazing but but to to truly be creative and and get to do what we do. Um, it's 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 a blessing It's a, I feel very fortunate and lucky you know that I can sit here and and do this with you twenty years later after meeting you know um it's remarkable and and you know I think this world would embrace its creativity a little bit more you know I think we wouldn't have a lot of the the trumps of the world we would have a lot of the, other, the you know some of the challenges and I think and I truly believe that like creativity can chal- can't solve a lot of the world's problems if we if we get smart about how we, we approach them I mean I would just love to see more people do that and that's it good way to end Mark Philip. 20 years cheers man
1: thanks for having us into your home too yeah again 20 years I wouldn't never have thought I'd be coming up to Marblehead with my yeah. own family stay with yours it's great and just be able to get on
0: like we never left I oh, know man <laughs> It's amazing. (laughs) Beautiful world. Thanks for listening. Tune in to Lifting the Lid next time when we talk to someone else.